0: Before we get into the show, your humble host and producer would like to apologize for the poor audio quality at some points in this episode. Please bear with us and know we will endeavor to persevere. Evan, are you familiar with mushroom coffee? Google
1: says you can't just chuck mushrooms in your coffee. Like, that's not no. the same.
0: That's all we're going to talk about, actually, Evan, today, is- uh, Mushroom coffee? Mushroom coffee. So let's do it. Welcome to another potentially useful episode of the TCAPS Loop podcast. My name is Larry Burden and joining me is the paragon of podcast partners. It's Danielle Brostrom. And crashing this Google Meet is the baron of Brightspace, a.k.a. the captain of ClassLink, a.k.a. the grand admiral of Google Apps. It's Evan O'Branovic. Welcome to the show, Evan. Thank you. It's always good to be
2: here. Was
0: I close on any of those names?
2: You know, do you feel as though you can live up to that? I'm adjusting my business card as we speak after hearing this. Before we discuss that,
0: let's begin this episode of The Loop, as we always do by sharing a truly profound T-Caps Loop moment of Zen. The secret of getting ahead is getting started. Mark Twain. So let's get this started. Daniel and Evan, take out your ISTE-approved crystal balls and enlighten us on what we can expect from this 2021-22 school year.
1: Levin, before we even get into that, can you tell us who you are and what you do? I think
0: I've already
2: said that. I think I've I mean, ran head for all of Google Apps, Captain. <laughs> no. For those who sure. my name just doesn't instantly ring with recognition, I get it. Uh, yes, I'm Evan Brandovic. I am the director of technology for TCAPS. Um, this is my third year. It's exciting. Been here for a minute. Three years? It's been three years already. Right, crazy, isn't it? Time flies when you have a pandemic. I was just going to say, did last year count? I don't know mm-hmm. if last year counted. N- nope, not at all.
1: <laughs> so, Evan, I love that in this director role, um, you also have this large background of ed tech that you're drawing from. Can you kind of speak to that and what like what's exciting to, for what's exciting about edtech? tech?
2: Yes. Yeah, so started my career as a fourth grade teacher and then moved into an ed tech coach role like yourself, Danielle, um, was asked to do that. I uh, was very excited because of my lean in the classroom towards, you know, anything and everything I could use that was beneficial, you know, technology related to help my students learn and sometimes help my fellow teachers kind of move move the needle a little bit. So that role was one that i I Wholeheartedly enjoyed, um, and then like the opportunity, obviously to kind of take another step up. But it's important to me because I feel like it's really the the core of you know where the the two worlds meet. You know, I was given the task to take that skill set uh, as that tech coach and really bring it to this role to continue that because people, some realize, some don't. You know, especially in a district as large as Tcaps, you have big section of, you know, pure technology, so to speak, what keeps running the data center that sits behind me. um, That isn't very interesting, nor should it be to a teacher or a student, because who cares? But without that running, right, all the other good stuff that we like to do doesn't work. So you take that into consideration. And then you start to consider what's happening on the other side, uh, which is just as if not arguably more important on what the teachers and the students are doing in the classroom and, and how you can leverage all this stuff that you're trying to put together to make you know their lives easier, make them more efficient, make them do new and exciting things in ways they didn't think possible, but also kind of do it and take into the considerations that a lot of times a teacher or someone doesn't have the time to do about safety and security, privacy. So just a lot of balls in the air that you're trying to juggle um it's really great when it all comes together it often will come crashing down on you but you kind of just pick them back up and and move on so it's just been that kind of game i think since i got here it's been really good and just kind of keeping that momentum going you know with like we mentioned the blip of a pandemic in the middle which just threw everything off and as somebody who was coming into transition you know all that went out the window in terms of what i was tasked to do it was first learn the systems figure out how to make this work and then it was like we need to go from face to face to remote how's that going to happen you know tomorrow so that that definitely put a a halt in progress but it was okay because i think it taught us a lot of different lessons on other things that we needed to learn and carry through
0: it sounds like you're attempting to jumpstart your initial plan
2: Uh, I was really planning on trying to do my best to bridge the gap between, say, technology and curriculum. So making sure that these two groups are working together, are, you know, understanding each other's perspectives on where they're coming from and finding the balance of no, neither party is going to get their way completely in an ideal world just because everyone has what they hold close to them. And so, You know it's it's always challenging because i think everyone wants to do what's best for their core group Um, and i've been trying to step outside my box um, on the technology side and bring that into the curriculum and then help them maybe see some of our pieces so we've talked about a lot of processes and procedures um, ways to get requests done reasonable timelines for you know large or even small scale implementations but it's, it's a big thing. I, it's not easy for anyone. I don't think anyone I've yet to see out there in, in the world of someone who I think has it all dialed in completely. So I think we're all kind of breaking new ground in that realm and trying to do our best and pulling what we can from all everyone's small wins and successes.
1: So, Evan, last week we talked a lot about um, some of the new technology that TCAPS is putting in this year. So things like the um, the new dot cams and the new wireless uh, keyboards and mouse um, combo in the elementary, just a lot of things that we're doing with Brightspace and Seesaw and all that. Um, But we didn't touch at all on ClassLink. And I know that is really big and really exciting. Can you kind of talk us through what ClassLink is and why it's good for everyone?
2: Yeah, we're really excited about ClassLink. Our database manager, Sophie, was A main pusher of that because it really helps her role and she's all things rostering and and getting products set up kind of on the back end. So ClassLink is basically a a, an upgraded version of a cloud. So a place where all your resources links to those, um, the access can be contained in one environment. So a student or a teacher can sign in and get to whatever products, you know, they're needing to get to quickly, easily in one place. It does a great job, you know, providing single sign-on access, which everyone likes, which just, you know, for those not in the SSO lingo, it just really, I click here and I'm logged into the product. You know, don't remember 100 passwords. Everyone loves to save all their passwords on Google. Um, The class link does it in an even more secure way that can then be transferred to all of these uh, educational curriculum products, which obviously a lot of them contain pretty sensitive information. So you want to do that as safely as possible. It also provides a very easy way to roster, meaning, you know, put students' accounts into and teacher accounts into a product, which leading up to this point, and still even, you know, it doesn't answer all the questions, it, it can be a very tedious, difficult process. So when you have something that a lot of companies and vendors work with, which ClassLink is very education centered. That's that's what this product is designed for. We were using a cloud product that wasn't education centered when I got here which was fine. It was what we had at the time. But anyway, so ClassLink's focused on that. They work with a lot of these educational vendors. And so it's really nice because sometimes we have in recent days, you look at a new product and I go, do you work with ClassLink? They're like, absolutely. And then that takes this rostering and setup process from weeks to days. So we're really excited. Um, It's showing us some other opportunities um, to make logging in Like I said, more secure is the priority, but then easier for, say, our younger kids and and building up, there's a QR code option, which everyone loves, because you can just kind of do the swipe, uh, hold your little QR code up, and these younger kids can get in and then take what were very generic, unsafe passwords that we were forcing them to use uh, to try and just make their lives easier, but then putting a lot of security risks out in the air and getting rid of that, but still making it easy for them to log in, so... Yeah, we're really excited about GlassLink. I think um, it's just so far, knock on wood, it's been a really smooth kind of deployment and has provided us with a lot of ease into getting, like I said, any of these products old and new out to the people who need them really, really quickly. I like what
0: you're saying about um, you know making it easier for the littles. To be able to log in easily. What other things can our teachers and our students, what are they going to notice when they look at ClassLink?
2: There's an element that I, I'm sure a lot of teachers haven't had time to dive into, and we haven't necessarily pushed it because they got a lot going on. But I think as they get into it and start to use it, it provides a lot more flexibility, like I said, because it is education-centered. So it operates you know, as a very basic Learning management system in the sense that teachers can control the classes that they have. So it it knows, you know, who your students are and allows you to send quick notes to those students, allows you to send specific apps to just your class. Um, So, you know, that whole, I need a link to go to my entire third grade class because they're going to go to this they can do that now, you know, via ClassLink. Once they get a little more comfortable in there, that can be pushed out, and it doesn't require, say, the multi-step process of a uh, of a tech request, which you know, in a bigger district, can take some time because we have to put it through all the right channels. There are limitations uh, with that, but it's just it has those options, which I think they're going to find really useful, and it's much cleaner, uh, easier to manipulate than the old cloud. We can make changes almost instantaneously and because it does do our grouping our rostering that connection itself i think will just the teachers will see that it's just going to work better we've we've had a lot of issues with the the old cloud and in not recognizing not being able to know you know what student should students should be having or having access to or cuz we have one off weird kind of things happening and this one just is because it's more contained it allows for that to all work a little more seamlessly so think they're just going to see a a better, quicker, um, more accessible environment. Uh, And as we know, things are just moving digitally. So more and more products. We're not talking about ordering books anymore. We're talking about accessing websites so that they can get materials. And now they're pretty much going to be doing that through Classlink. It is going to become the hub of all things as we go in that direction.
0: This is not Brightspace. This is not replacing Brightspace. This is just a, a platform that Brightspace is going to be
2: in. yeah it has yeah. some of those features of being able to like control the content going to your students but it doesn't have you know it's not able to deliver specific design curriculum by a teacher it's not able to host any type of discussions or, or do that kind of thing it's it's got just some of those really basic groupings that are just helpful because then a teacher knows the students sitting out in front of them with that class link page open on say a Chromebook They know what they're seeing. They know that they can, you know, control some of that to a certain extent of what they're going to push to them. And so get them to the right places, like a D2L, Brightspace, like a Seesaw, and then all the products in between. There's not a one-stop shop. I've yet to see it anywhere. So this is the way to access all of the shops that we're going to need in order to deliver that content.
1: So Evan, you mentioned there's a lot going on, both in ed tech and products that teachers can use and curriculum and technology, like, how do you stay with it? How do you connect with others outside of your bubble? Because I can imagine keeping those balls in the air is a lot.
2: It's not easy in this current state we're coming out of it, as I mentioned before, kind of just pandemic life because everyone was just trapped in their bubble. So I, I almost feel like there was a slight halt there um, in how much, you know, outside information that I was even gaining, you know, via something like even a Twitter, which you don't have to leave your house to get to. But I think everyone was so focused on just keeping themselves safe and, and moving forward that there was kind of this blip in the radar. I think that's coming back now. So I've seen myself, meaning I've been more engaging on on those kind of tools Um, Trying to get involved when you have group situations in the sense of, um, you know, we have a local tech meeting that hosts every month or every two weeks. And, you know, having the time and, and making it a priority to attend that to discuss with these people what they're seeing, what's happening. Actually recently reached out to by another director who I just kind of, uh, I guess, vaguely knew on Twitter, and just kindly was like, I, "I've seen what you're doing, kind of from afar, and I'm interested, and I want to talk with you and your staff about how that's going." So that was kind of cool, and I think again, that was as we're all poking our heads above the water here, and he's he's getting settled, and and so re trying to engage in those. I think that was that was lost for a minute, and it's exciting to have that come back because. Yeah, I think you get stuck in a rut when you do just focus on everything that's happening um, within your your little kind of fenced in area and you're going to let a lot of things pass you by. So I'm just trying to get back, I think, to all the things that were happening in a normal kind of situation. So being back on social media, trying to attend conferences when it's safe. We have one coming here um, that's somewhat local, which is exciting that I've not even thought about attending my first two years. So, any of those opportunities, I'm trying to jump at.
0: Evan, have you found it easier to um, connect to some of these sources post pandemic? Um, but we did learn a lot of skills. And I, mean, I think, on some level, especially in regards to technology, the paradigm shifted a little bit to the point where people are really, really comfortable with this type of environment. You know, we're doing a Google Meet right now are you finding it easier to connect outside the district with other professionals in this type of setting?
2: Yeah. I mean, I I think you hit the nail on the head, in my opinion, on, you know, Google meet or just any type of video call. Like that is the standard now. Um, It's almost offensive sometimes when people are like, do you want to meet in person? You're like, what? I got to drive down there. What are you crazy? Now there's obviously the benefits, like I said, now that we're feeling safer to do that but it's so easy and efficient to have these and you can still have some of these elements you know i think learning the proper etiquette like when's your camera supposed to be on and off like when does that really drive up engagement or if everyone's camera's off and someone's just talking into space like you can tell like that changes the vibe right so now that we're all in this we've gotten brought up to this level like we said like everyone's in this mode everyone's using some type of tool the thought of you know doing that really quickly to schedule things has been making, in my opinion, things a lot more efficient. You're able to do reach out. It doesn't matter whether they're down the hall or you know down the next state over. You know, making those connections and having those those meetings um, and just saying let's make it virtual uh, is a really quick way to then engage, um, have those conversations, have easy follow ups, and it, it's been a game changer in my opinion and now everyone has been forced their hand has been forced to be like we we need to know how to use this it's important does it i don't necessarily have an opinion on which one you use because i think they've all come to a certain level water has found its level with all of them so you know just using one is it's all that matters and you can get on there and there's so much you can get accomplished that it really helps and uh it's really cool to see like i said that just everyone's on board with it
1: so Evan, you've mentioned a couple of times about efficiency and productivity when you were talking about Google Meet. You've also been doing some cool things with scheduling. Can, can you talk about that? Or is that like sharing your your secrets to getting more done?
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess it would depend on the listenership. I don't know if I want to give away my my secrets, but yes, I love, I've, I'm not shy about telling the people in my direct circle. I love Gmail schedule emails. So uh, the joke is that if if you've gotten an email from me, at 8am. That's because I wrote it last night at maybe 1am. And I was just getting the slew of them in my list done when I finally have a moment to sit down and and process after uh, the kids have gone to bed and I've taken care of whatever else needs to be done. And all the meetings, you know, during your day, take up your time. So it's like, then you can sit down and really do it. I mean, it's just a constant for me. And so then, you know, some days, if you could like, look, from an overview perspective, if anyone wanted to run a report, you might see like 30 emails go out from my inbox at eight AM on a particular morning. And I would love for them all to like take a look at each other's screen and be like, How did he sent you one? At, and he sent me one at eight. Wait, he sent me one at eight AM. He's like, And these are like pretty detailed emails. How did he knock all that out at once? And maybe I'll get better at like staggering, right? I'll do eight oh five and eight oh seven and eight fifteen just to throw people for a loop. But I like it and I I've, I've tweeted about it and said it because I just think it allows me to work on my schedule and it and it makes and allows me to not force my schedule upon other people because I don't like that either like I if I'm going to email at 1am I don't want that showing up in your inbox at 1am because that's you don't need to deal with that like I don't and that can get lost obviously just in general but I don't want you to ever see something like that and feel like oh, okay, well, yeah, let me get up and answer this. If he's thinking about it, it's just like, I just want to be able to think about it on my own time and then send it out during a normal work time and respect that for other people. So I highly encourage it for anyone who works weird hours, you know, take advantage of that scheduled email and and make everyone think you're normal.
1: I think that's a great tip, especially now. I feel like we all work a lot of hours that are weird and we do answer emails in the middle of the night, because that's when we're up and when we have time to do it. So even for the busy teacher, I think scheduling emails is a great, great tip. So thanks for sharing.
2: Yep. Great. Now it's out there. I've let my secrets out. There's a lot of empathy there too, uh, Evan. And I think that's really the, the thing that I was struck by, awesome by you.
1: Evan, what's something you're like super excited about? Like what are you working on or what's coming down the pike or like what makes what you like jazzed?
2: You know, I, I am really excited. It's, it's been an interesting progression, but you had mentioned it, Danielle, the, the elementary kind of AV upgrade addition that we've we pushed through this past summer. So it includes, you know, upgrading the teacher dot cameras Had a variety of different ones kind of throughout the district and trying to put that on a standard and make them very mobile. Um, So we focused on one that could be plugged in via USB. So it didn't rely on, you know, an HDMI input because one of the things we noticed, so I'm hoping we don't have to go back this way is, you know, if you're teaching virtually, a lot of teachers were like, I want to use my dot cam. And it was say a VGA, HDMI, all those fun connections that you've messed with in the back of your TV. And they're like, how do I hook this up to my computer? And the sad answer is you can't. You know, it's made as like a direct camera feed to a projector or some type of display. And so we were like, how can we, you know, look towards that to make it more mobile? And then they now have that option. So we, we implemented that um, with this camera, which is exciting because I just think it's, it's a very easy, quick adjustment. Um, and then we looked at, you know, when they are in person, how how that's going to look around the room for the teacher and how from well past you know, or before, I mean, any of us, things were set up in terms of classroom arrangement, you know, desks in weird positions or where their inputs were. So when you dock or plug in your computer to display, like how convenient or not convenient is that for a teacher to be manipulating content, like we just discussed, is pretty much all online now and needs to be in some way, shape or form kind of shared. Uh, and then give that teacher the flexibility. So we looked at you know, a really simple mobile podium, just podium on wheels, and then a wireless keyboard and mouse that can be plugged into their docking station or just directly to their computer so they can get it set up. It's broadcasting. And then they can move around the room and really kind of take advantage of, you know, standing next to a different group of students, being right in front of the classroom if their desk isn't already there, um, which is usually a preferred spot but just however they want to do it. I mean, that's the goal is it's not for me to decide it's for, it's for them to be more flexible in that. That's phase one. We're looking at then kind of improving just the overall, you know, what type of projector. Um, so they're getting a clear, better picture, um, moving away from ones in the center of the room, which, you know, work fine, except when you're standing in front of it and you're casting your shadow over that. And so, you know. Short throw um, is the preference if we're going to stick on the projector model, which I think we are, um, and that makes a world of difference. So, you know, that's the ultimate goal to get all those on that same level and move away from projector bulbs, use laser projectors. We all love lasers, but lasers. You know, everyone's favorite word. But, you know, just some of these small improvements that a teacher themselves might not even notice except in the final product. And so doing that and really trying to make them you know, give them a space that is flexible as possible. So they're not tied in that traditional sense. Like it's been kind of a slow process again, you know, keep having to go back to it, but pandemic and ordering things and supply chains like has thrown us all for a big loop. So I think it hasn't moved as fast as we would like, but I'm excited that we kind of have the important first phase in and it's ready. And now we can work on, you know, that second phase. And so I'm excited to watch how that kind of all develops and then, you know, to say that you've retrofitted, you know, 11, well, and eventually we'll do the secondaries as well. Our focus is elementary right now, but to do all the schools in a district as large as us and to look out and say like, yeah, we made that decision and hopefully be one that again is, is a good one. Right. And it's not like we're looking at some of the setups that were here before us being like, who thought of that? Why was that an idea? Like, that's terrible. Uh, I don't want that to be a legacy. I want it to be like, Oh, wow, this is this is really great, and uh, this teacher's doing it this way, this teacher's doing it that way. It molds to both of these needs, but it's just a high-quality product and installation. So I'm excited for that because it will, I think, just grow with them and and make that um, kind of this ultimate setup. I can't predict how that stuff's going to change because I think it will change, and I just want them to be ready to adapt to it.
0: You know, maybe this connects to the ISTE standards a little bit as well, but – To your point when we're asking why did they do that this way in previous iterations of in this example the um the projectors i think the difference is we're going at this this installation with the question how does this make teaching and learning better for our students and our educators that's the first question we're asking before before we're looking at any of the technology that we've discussed today the question we're asking first is how does this actually make the teaching and learning better? And I don't know if that was necessarily always the case.
2: It's a it really, very, think, very thoughtful statement, Larry, that I think is 100% accurate. I mean, when these a lot of these rooms are installed, like ISTE wasn't a thing or a process or a thought, but just in general, that why question or what, what are these teachers trying to do? It was just about kind of, you know, you design the classroom, you put the things together, and then you just put the teacher in there and I hope they figure it out. And then it's like, and it might have even been on, I hope they figure it out. I saw one person do it this way. Let's set up the whole building like that because that seems like the best idea. And we're trying to approach it from a, I don't care whether you do it this way and teacher B does it another way. It's like what what platform or setup is going to you know, deliver the the highest quality product and allow them the flexibility to choose it in whichever way they need, because, you know, all these teaching styles and stuff are different. And, uh, that's, that's not my job is to dictate that. I'm just here to support it.
0: Turns out differentiation is a thing across the entire spectrum. Who would have thought? Yep. Who would have thought? Being a, uh, an administrator, school administrator, and a, a tech guy, how do you achieve balance? How do you not, not just stay on top of it, but stay, stay balanced. How do you maintain that work life balance and that tech
2: life balance? That's also an ever-changing target. Yeah, it's it's interesting. They do a lot of scheduling emails. I'll tell you that. So I try and and work that out. I feel like I go through a different way to prioritize things every week. So I'm not a good person to talk to about that. I have a great idea on Monday. And then by uh, Friday, I'm like, that was the worst way to do that. Like, I got to change it. So I guess the willingness to to throw things out when you know it's not working is one. But always be adaptable. I I use the line that my mentor teacher shout out uh, miss lisa brewer um a fifth grade mentor who told me when i had a really awful day uh student teaching said and i try and just carry over the same even in my role now is you know it's it's not brain surgery no no one's going to pass away from a mistake you made and things can usually always be left to the next day if you've just hit your limit because i was probably ready to like Retire from teaching at year zero. After that one day, and she like laid that on me, and so I've really tried to carry that through. And it's harder as an administrator um, when you have a lot of things coming at you. But you know, I think you always wake up the next day, and usually everyone's got a bunch going on. So you have put a standard on yourself that they didn't expect. They were like, "Yeah, I I, I get that it would have take you a few days. That's a big project." So it's nice to try and rethink of that as then you process at the end of the day. So it's not brain surgery.
1: Oh, shout out to her. I love that.
2: Yeah, she's great. She was an amazing influence and great teacher. Awesome. So Danielle, Tech Tool of the Week.
1: Tech Tool of the Week. Since we're giving away all of our like productivity secrets, I wanted to share one of mine. Um, I get a lot of emails, believe it or not. And I get a lot of emails for things that are kind of repeated. Um, So I have a lot of templates saved in my email. So I have a template for, hey, your Brightspace courses are merged. Here are the top three things you should do next and training documents linked. I have a template for, oh, we're, (laughs) I'm not going to tell you the templates I use because then teachers will call me on it, but I have a lot of templates saved. Templates do save time and um, they're amazing. So check out templates
2: in Gmail it's another good one i'm a big fan of that i second that yeah now everyone just knows i'm completely out in the wind oh yeah delayed send right is another one set your delay to the maximum i can't remember how many seconds it is but it takes you a minute to get used to it in gmail but then the little box every time you hit send says undo for 30 50 seconds i can't remember and uh once you do get used to it, like a bunch of times you forget, but I'm saying once you do get used to it, I can't tell you how many times I've like looked at something quickly, hit send and be like, oh my, like who did I send it to the wrong person or this? And I can click that undo button and redo it. So like, yeah, any, any undoing is, is another big one, I feel like.
0: That's a great one. I love that. All right. So uh, in closing, follow us on Twitter at TCAPSlu.
1: At BrostromDA
0: at Evan O'Branovic. Subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Downcast, Overcast, Google Play Store, Spotify, or wherever else. You get your candy. Thanks for listening and inspiring.
1: Larry, can you give Evan some kind of like intro music? Like, dun-dun-dun from the desk of the director.